Okay, so the first thing to do is to remember that this is a recording of a hypnotherapy session and it would be very dangerous to listen to this recording if one was busy doing something that required your full attention. Far better just to find a nice cozy space to settle up into. Uh, if you're a little bit on the chilly side, then just put on a blanket or a jersey, cozy up nicely. If you're a little bit too hot, then just uh, take off your jersey or whatever it is that you can take off just to be comfortable, just to moderate your temperature properly. Having found a nice cozy place, place to sit, rest your hands just gently in your lap. Take a nice deep breath when you're ready. Close your eyes because that's intuitively what you would like to do. And slowly bring your attention just to your eyelids. The eyelids are among some of the very weakest muscles on the outer part of the body. And I'm going to invite you to play a game with me. This game is a game of make-believe. It's a game of pretend. And in games of pretend, faking is allowed. It's the way children would play the game of make-believe. This little game goes like this. Just pretend that you could let your eyelids become heavy, sleepy, very, very tired. Whatever it takes just to let the eyelids get heavier and heavier, more and more sleepy, more and more tired. I like to play this game. In fact, I play this game very often. And the way I usually play the game is I imagine that my eyelids are like shutter blinds, that I could just draw those shutter blinds closed and that I could lock them in place. Just letting my eyelids get heavier and heavier, more and more sleepy, more and more tired. Whatever permission you need to give to these tiny muscles, just give that permission to these muscles so that they can just completely and utterly relax. The purpose of this little game, the outcome of this little game, is to see if you can bring your eyelids to a point of relaxation where they become so heavy, so sleepy, so tired, that somewhere in the game they may even reach a point where they might not want to work. When you can reach that point in the game where you just know that your eyelids are locked, closed and won't work, at that point in the game, test them. And you'll probably find that the harder you try to open them, the more reluctant they'll be in wanting to open. This might catch you a little bit by surprise, but there's nothing mystical or magical about anything that we do. This is a tiny demonstration of the power of your mind over your own body. And this is a very good starting point when it comes to managing anxiety and stress, is to realize that your mind has permission has control over your own body. There is nothing that your body can do without your mind's permission. Take this relaxation which you are now experiencing in your eyelids. Wash it back into your eyes. Let your eyes come to rest in the sockets wherever they feel comfortable. Spill this relaxation down onto the lower part of your face, relaxing your lips, your cheeks, your jaw. Copy-pasting this relaxation up onto your forehead, smoothing out the muscles of your forehead, the frown lines between your eyebrows, 
just actively smoothing out a crumpled piece of paper, dusting relaxation down onto your temples, and drawing relaxation through every muscle in your skull, all the way over the top of your head. And notice as you bring relaxation to every muscle in your scalp, some of those little muscles may start to feel itchy and scratchy and prickly. But it doesn't take too long before all of those muscles just completely and utterly relax. And when once all of those muscles are fully relaxed, that itchy, prickly feeling will very quickly subside. You'll agree with me that we can do more in the world of fantasy than we could ever do in the world of reality. In the world of reality, we are bound by all the laws of nature, whereas in the world of fantasy, we can break those laws. We cannot time travel in the world of reality. Nature won't allow us to do that, but we can do that in the world of fantasy. And so, make-believe fantasy imagination gives us far more capacity to be able to do things than we could ever do in the world of reality. Imagine for a moment that you have a watering can. It doesn't matter what kind of watering can this might be. It might be a big black one that you're imagining, one that they use at the garage for pouring water into the radiator of the car. This could be a tiny, ornate one that you use for watering pot plants around the house. Whatever color you're imagining is just fine. Whatever size this watering can is, that's also okay. Doesn't matter what this watering can is made of in your imagination. Doesn't matter what pattern or shape or design it is. Whatever watering can you're imagining right now is just the perfect watering can to be imagining. But instead of us filling this watering can with water, let's imagine for a moment that we could just fill this watering can with relaxation. Now, I know that we can't do this in the world of reality, but we can do this in the world of fantasy. And what would relaxation look like if we could get the watering can full of it? What color would it be? What kind of viscosity would it have if you got a little bit of relaxation somewhere between your finger and your thumb and you rubbed your finger and thumb together? What would it feel like? Would it be slippery like oil? Would it be squeaky like methylated spirits? What would happen, I imagine, if you dumped your finger into that relaxation and left your finger there for a whole minute? I imagine that relaxation would suck out of your finger stress, tension, anxiety, fear, even doubt. And it would infuse into your finger almost a mild anesthetic. By the time you took your finger out of the watering can, dried it off, that finger would probably just hang loose and limp, just like a loose elastic band dangling off the end of a pencil. Take this watering can of yours and notice that the more you use the relaxation inside it, the more the watering can just fills itself up magically. Take this watering can and start to pour relaxation into the vertical muscles of your neck. Now, it doesn't matter where you start. You can start here or there. 
You can go around this way or that way, it wouldn't matter. You could spend lots of time just pouring relaxation into just a few muscles, and you could completely skip out other muscles that don't need to be relaxed at all. And as you start to pour relaxation into the muscles of your neck, notice what starts to happen. All of a sudden, you start to notice the heaviness of your own head. Four, five, six, seven kilograms of head perched on a relaxing neck. Now, all of a sudden, it starts to take a lot of artful balance to make sure that your head doesn't flop one way or another. Hmm. I thought that relaxation in a watering can was just confined to the worlds of fantasy. But notice how it works in the world of reality. Now that we've got that proof out of the way, start to pour that relaxation into your shoulders, shoulder joints, shoulder blades. Then take a watering can and just start to pour relaxation down your spine. You like a little waterfall. Just cascading from one rock to the next. And as this relaxation pours down the full length of your spine, notice how every one of the muscles attached to the left and to the right of each one of those vertebrae start to relax. It's like dry, parched earth, soaking up the first of the summer rain. Just keep pouring relaxation down the spine. It doesn't take too long before the entire back is saturated with relaxation. And if you keep pouring relaxation down the spine, even with a saturated back, so completely relaxed, there's nowhere else for that relaxation to go but to seep into the muscles of your buttocks, hips, thighs, relaxing all those muscles as it goes past, forming a tiny trickle of relaxation down through your knees, into your calf muscles, through your ankles, and into your feet. Fifty-three tiny muscles in each foot. It's like a little river delta. It takes a little while for that relaxation to find its way down to the tips of your toes. Notice the effects of relaxation on your body already. Now that you've filled up your body with relaxation, notice how all of the internal organs have just found their own space inside the abdominal cavity. None of them are jostling up against any of the others. There's no fighting for space anymore. They're all doing just what they need to do. Notice also how unanimated your body is, how reluctant it is to move. Having filled up your body with relaxation, take your watering can and turn your attention to both hands, both arms. And just imagining that both hands and arms are just like empty vases, ready to be filled. Instead of filling them with water, just take the watering can and fill up both hands and arms. And you'll notice as you start to pour relaxation into both hands and arms, that relaxation will trickle down all the way to the very tips of your fingers. And you'll start to notice how relaxation interacts with the pads of your fingers. 
heavy, just bringing relaxation into your fingers, your thumbs, palms of your hands. And as you fill up from your wrists to your elbows, and from your elbows all the way back up to your shoulders, once you've filled both hands and arms with relaxation, notice how heavy they've become. Notice right now, even if you try to lift your hands up or feel that, the more you try to lift them, the heavier they become. And the heavier they become, the more energy it takes. And the more energy it takes, the easier it is just to leave them where they are. Part of your mind might be saying, but nothing's different. If I truly wanted to right now, I could open up my eyes, stand up and walk away. And the answer to that is, of course you could. Nothing could stop you from doing that right now. And you are free to do that if you wish. But we're not really talking to that part of the mind anymore, that questioning part of the mind. We're talking to another part of the mind right now. And the other part of the mind is like a little feather on the breeze. It just drifts and floats and sinks. One moment it's thinking about this and that. The next moment it's still, without a single thought. That's the part of the mind that we're talking to right now. And that's the part of the mind that is in control, deeply in control. This part of the mind, as it drifts and floats and sinks, keeps vigilance on input signals that are coming in from the world around you. It monitors those signals all the time and it'll decide what is friend, what is foe. And it will, it will react to those signals. Right now, since this is a safe place to be in, it is happy to relax. It's happy to allow the body to relax. I always say that owning a body is like owning a trailer. You can't hop on your trailer and drive to your own town. It has no steering, has no brakes, has no engine. But the moment you hitch your trailer to the back of your car, you can take that trailer anywhere you like. And then the trailer just plays tag along. Wherever the car goes, the trailer follows. And mind and body are very much the same. There's nothing that your body can do without your mind's permission. If this part of your mind sees those input patterns and interprets them as something dangerous, it will initiate a cascade of responses in your body. Those cascaded responses will secrete adrenaline into the bloodstream, and you know what that does. Shuts down all the tiny blood vessels in the gut, redeploys that energy into your limbs, to your arms, your legs, gets your heart rate going. And that prepares you for flight and flight, helps you to get out of danger, to defend yourself. Now just imagine for a moment that you had an 
old-fashioned dial. This dial would be like tuning in a radio station in an old-fashioned transistor radio, perhaps, or an old machine somewhere that had a calibrated scale and a, and a needle on an old-fashioned Bakerite dial. And right now you could calibrate that needle, you could set that needle to reflect the amount of relaxation that you are experiencing in your body now. The calibration goes from 1 to 10. 1 is completely and utterly relaxed. 10 is in a state of complete panic. So somewhere you'd set the dial to reflect how you feel right now in the state of complete relaxation. This might be a 1 or a 2 or a 3 or a 4. Imagine the dial in that position. And what we're going to do is we need to also just notice how amazing your body is. Notice how gentle, easy and rhythmical your breathing is. How fully relaxed your body is. How your mind is free to just drift and float and sink. And then we're going to test to see how much control you have over your body's responses. Even in this very relaxed space. Imagine that you could just reach out, put your fingers around that dial, and that you could start to increase the intensity of anxiety. You could start to move that needle in the direction towards 10. Not very far off its present, present mark, just a little bit. And as you start to increase that, you start to connect with some moment in the past. It was a moment that was quite a frightening moment for you. Now, of course, you're very safe because that moment is like watching a movie. But the moment you start to connect your mind with what happened in the past, you'll notice how your mind starts to direct your body. And as you move that needle off of its present position, as you move it in the direction towards 10, even if it is just a little, you'll notice how your breathing starts to change your body starts to respond to this. As you immerse yourself more and more in that movie of the past, as you start to increase that dial, giving yourself permission to, to feel that anxiety, that tension of that past memory of yours, you'll start to notice how your body starts to respond to this. How the muscles start to get tense, how there's a a shakiness that starts to happen inside your body, how your breathing starts to change, how the configuration starts to modify to give you that ability to go into a state of flight and fight. Now, it depends how brave you are and how far you would like to take this dial all the way towards 10. Perhaps you want to take it up to 10, just as an experiment. And notice, as you bravely move that dial in the direction towards 10, how your body starts to respond to this. And in the beginning, it's mild anxiety. But if you really move that dial all the way to 10, it would be a little panic attack. It would be flight and fight. 
So we don't have to do that. We can bring that all the way back to its, to its set point, to where it was originally. And notice as you do that, how your body starts to respond to this. Now this may seem like a cruel and heartless thing to do. To the contrary. What we have just proven right now is that you have absolute control over your body. You're in a safe place. You have had the control over your own body. Your mind, your subconscious mind, has had full control over your own body. And it has instructed your body to go into a state of mild anxiety. Well, it depends how far you move that dial to lose a tent. Having induced stress, having induced anxiety, you have proven to yourself that you have control over your body. That your mind, your subconscious mind, has control over your own body. And if you have control over your mind, if your mind has control over your body and can induce anxiety and stress, then for sure it has the ability to go the other way. From that set point of where this needle is pointing now on this dial, you can turn the knob the other way. You can bring it more towards zero. If you have the ability to take it towards 10, you have the ability, just as much ability, to take it more towards zero. question is what would aid that ability to take it more towards zero because notice that we aided the ability to take it more towards 10 by reconnecting with an old memory. We have the ability to take it towards zero by reconnecting with something that we can remember too. Here's how we do it. First thing would be to take another deep breath and to slowly sign that air out. Just one breath is enough to take that needle off of its set point and nudge it towards zero. In your mind's eye, just look at a blank wall. This could be a wall that you remember somewhere in your home. It could just be a fantasy wall. Thinking you're more in the world of fantasy than you could be in the world of reality. This wall needs a few pictures. And we can decorate this wall with three very lovely and very important pictures. 
And these are all memories of the past. And you can arrange those pictures anywhere you like on this blank wall. They could be in a horizontal row next to each other, with the middle one in the center of the wall. You can place them anywhere you like on the wall. That's up to you. You have freedom to put these three pictures anywhere you wish. And you have the freedom to be able to frame these pictures any which way you want to. And I suppose determining the frame for each picture would be decided upon what the content of each picture is. So let's start with the first picture. It's a memory of your past. This is the time when you were at your most peaceful. When I was 10 years old, I was invited to walk with my dad and his friends. My dad was a great birder and he was a great hiker. And after my 10th birthday, I was allowed to pack my own bag, my hiking bag, my kit bag, and I was allowed to walk with them. And we didn't do a very far walk. We went to the Stadfontein Dam, which is in the foothills of the Drakensberg Mountains, there in South Africa. It was an easy walk along the, the edge of the lake. And as the evening came, we set up camp, lit a fire, and on that particular night, I remember the full moon rising. But it rose over the far end of the lake. And things were so still, so peaceful, so tranquil, that you could see a perfect reflection of that rising moon. In the completely still surface of that lake. Nobody really said anything. We all just sat privy to our own thoughts and feelings. But it became the iconic picture of peacefulness for me now. Whether you use that same kind of imagery or whether you have a specific picture of your own, doesn't really matter. But this is a picture that I'd like you to connect with. To remember. To immerse yourself in the feelings, the emotions, the stillness, the peacefulness that this picture conjures up. Notice the temperature of that scene, the ambient light, colors, feelings, the emotions. And we can give this picture of yours a title. And the title, the little plaque that can get stuck on the wall or on the frame, is going to be peacefulness of mind, serenity, peacefulness of mind, 
conjures up the ideas of serenity, quietude, tranquility, safety. And of course, you can frame that picture in any which way you wish. And you can hang it anywhere you like on the wall as a reminder. And it has this little plaque, this little label, that can be stuck somewhere on the wall next to it or on the frame itself. Peacefulness of mind. The second image is also another power image. And this one is about happiness of heart. This is the happiest time you'll ever be. And we've perhaps had lots of happy moments in life. And for those of us who haven't had a very happy life, there have been times somewhere that something has brought a smile to our face, a scene in a movie, a moment with friends, an accomplishment of sorts, the birth of a child, your first kiss, the first time you made love, then many, many times when there is just this moment when the world seems to just disappear out there and all the anxiety of the world disappears with it. And we're left just with that moment and our hearts full of happiness. And we can encapsulate that in this picture. It's as if we've taken a photograph of that memory, that, that moment. And it too has different colors and different sounds and different emotions and different feelings. And it may, it may for consistency, need a similar frame to the one of peacefulness of mind, but it may deserve its own frame. And it may require its own space on the wall. And of course, we'd want to label it too. Happiness of heart. So we've got peacefulness of mind, happiness of heart. And the third power image is about playfulness. And by now you'll start to see that these are three very lovely default human settings. Happiness, peacefulness, and playfulness. And in troubled times it's always a good idea to bring oneself back to these three default settings. And to induce them by connecting with each of these three pictures in the third picture, is playfulness of spirit. It's not ambition. It's not about going out and conquering the world. Playfulness of spirit is more frivolous than that. It's the way we were around about the age of 10. For many, the age of 10 is when you're stepping out of your childhood. But adulthood hasn't stripped away 
all of your fun and joy and playfulness, your innocence, your naivety. It's that cusp, somewhere between being a child and being an adult. And playfulness is that kind of playfulness. It's an innocent kind of playfulness, and yet it has a certain wisdom. It's frivolous, and yet it has purpose. It's brave. It's tenacious. It's powerful playfulness. Does that memory starts to crystallize and form its picture, it too has its unique emotions, feelings, color, texture, temperature, and light. For conformity's sake, this may be framed in the same frame, style of frame that the other two pictures are framed in, or it may deserve its own. It too gets a label. Playfulness of spirit. And these three pictures adorn this wall. And of course, you could change the color of the wall to be commensurate with these three very powerful images. Happiness, playfulness, peacefulness. Whenever life gets a bit too much and you start to feel the anxiety build, come and stand in front of your wall and look at the three pictures. Put your finger on the control knob and slowly, slowly nudge it towards zero. You have more control than you would ordinarily have believed possible. Just as the trailer follows the car and plays tag along, so your body will take its cues from your mind and it will play tag along. If you steer your mind into a place of peacefulness, happiness and playfulness, your body will follow. It has no choice. It must obey. Your, mind, your body will go, it will follow where your mind directs it to go.
you are in control of that knob. You are free to nudge it towards 10, and you are equally free toward, to nudge it towards 0. The choice is yours. By repeatedly connecting with ideas and memories that bring about anxiety, you will nudge it towards 10. But by engaging with the three pictures on the wall, peacefulness, happiness, playfulness, you will master the ability to, to nudge it towards zero. How far will you permit yourself to get into the state of happiness, peacefulness, and playfulness? The choice is yours. Try it now. Notice how the silence of this moment allows you to do that even easier than before. Can you take it all the way down to zero? Does that feel like? Perhaps you've never experienced this amount of relaxation. Question is, can you hold on to this level of peacefulness, playfulness, and happiness while you go about doing all your other business? That's the art of mindfulness.
by now the mind is completely forgotten about your body. Where your limbs are placed, the configuration that your body is in right now is just getting a map, a fading map of that. And so it's time just to wiggle your toes in, in your shoes, wearing your shoes, just to wiggle your toes. To tell your brain where your feet are. And to wiggle your fingers. And as you slowly reconnect with your body, the art is to hold on to this state of peacefulness, playfulness and happiness. To use it as a backdrop for every other activity that you do, knowing that you can come back to this place anytime you choose. Slowly letting light filter through your closed eyelids back into your eyes, letting sounds return to your ears, and when you're ready, in your own good time, eyes open, wide awake, and fully awake.